Hey friends, you're listening to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. We're so glad you're here and we hope you enjoy today's episode as we highlight heroes of the faith. Welcome, friends. I am your host, Callie Nixon, and today I am joined by someone who is kind of awesome, kind of special to me, and also really special is that for only the second time ever, we have a man in the studio today, ladies, a man. And this is a long time coming because today in the studio is none other than my champion, (laughs) my best friend, Ryan Nixon. I was so glad that it was my name at the end of that description <laughs> that right there. That would have been weird. <laughs> Hi, babe. I love you. <laughs> Guys, Ryan Nixon. This is my husband, my hero. And today, y'all know, during this season, we are talking about heroes. And today, we are talking about the hero of servant leadership. And I jumped on that really fast because not wanting this to be an annoying love fest today, but you are one of my life's greatest heroes, and particularly in this area. Did you know that that was why you were coming on the podcast today? I did not. Okay, great. Surprise. Yeah. I'm excited for you. And the goal of this is not to puff any one person up, you included, but the goal is to really celebrate that the qualities that we see given by God on this beautiful display, like when they're being used for his glory and his good. And babe, you are my hero of servant leadership. So I love you. Love you too. That's really sweet. I kind of, as I was thinking about this idea of you just kind of saying, okay, let's talk about servant leadership. It's like, Wait, if we talk about it, does it like kind of disappear or something? Like, <laughs> does it negate? Yeah, everything? does it negate if I'm the one sharing does about my some crown of these in things? Heaven disappear? I know it's just poof, it's gone. Yes, my name is Ryan Nixon, and I met my bride 20 plus years ago at Kennecott Camps, and then again at Texas A&M. Whoop, Gigum. And we became best friends while we we're in college, and then kind of a little bit later started dating, and then now. Probably, you know, 17, 18 years later, I've been married for 15 years, have three amazing kids, and really is. It's so fun getting to do life with my best friend and getting to do ministry with my best friend and just, you know, life is really sweet. And so as far as for me here at Watermark, I've been here for almost 12 years and just recently came uh, into the role of the Director of Regeneration, which is crazy, and uh, really excited about being a part of that as well. Okay, so let's jump in, baby. So we're going to be talking about servant leadership. And I think this is so good to be talking about, especially in this time of life, because the world today that we're living in is going to tell you something very, very different about leadership. It's going to be how much can you be seen? How many people can you influence? How many problems can you solve? And the way we think about leadership from a Christian perspective is obviously really, really different. There's a quote that I love that says, the servant leader believes that my set, my success is your success. And um, there's another one that says, the goal of many leaders is to get people to think more highly of the leader. The goal of a great leader is to help people to think more highly of themselves. And obviously our greatest example comes from Jesus in Philippians 2. And I just want to read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
That's what I think of when I think of servant leadership, and Jesus is a perfect example of that. And it's all throughout Scripture, and we'll talk kind of more about it. But I want to ask you, what do you think of when you think of this concept of servant leadership? Yeah, I mean, one, Philippians 2 is just such an amazing place to to go because it really talks about how I'm not thinking about my own interests as an individual, as a leader, but I'm thinking about the interests of others and what does it look like for me uh, to come alongside and help other people uh, achieve their goals, achieve what God's created them to do, um, all to the glory of God, you know, just like what Christ did for us, whether it's helping them or it's caring for them, like servant leadership is coming alongside and underneath other people. And it's just like for Christ, um, although he is um, and, and was the king of kings, like when he came here, he laid that down and it wasn't about him. It was about how could he come and serve and care for others. And I think for all of us, um, as we're trying to think through what does it look like to lead other people well, it's it's not about me. Um, it's about me coming alongside and caring for others uh, to help them grow, develop, use their gifts, and all to the glory of God. So when when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as I'm a leader? Throughout the years, I think early on I wouldn't have thought myself as a leader uh, because in my own mind, I had an idea of what it looked like to be a leader and that visionary who goes and charges the hill. Um, but as I've grown and I believe just kind of matured over time, just thinking through that leading, uh, being a leader is that there are people who are following you and that you are kind of helping them go from kind of point A to point B. And you can be a good leader, you can be a bad leader, but there's just people that are there and realizing that there's a lot of different ways to lead and guide other people. Um, and that's where God is glorified in each of our gifts and how we try to lead other people. That's good. And I know you and I are both really passionate about growing and cultivating and influencing just young people in general, but also future leaders. And I and I know it's almost hypocritical to say on this podcast that we started, <laughs> but I think in this day, when I hear someone who's super actively pursuing what we call platforms, like stages, speaking, growing their online influence, writing books, starting a podcast, I'm not immediately like judging the mode of the heart, but I am cautious because I think this world is so full of people who are going to try to both ascertain and tell us our value by what we accomplish but really we serve this upside down kingdom with, with the Lord, right? Where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We leave the 99 to find the one. To be rich, you become poor. And I will say you've helped me grow in that viewpoint as well, because I would say I equivocated at the beginning of our marriage leadership with ambition. Do you remember what I would ask you a lot when we were first married now almost 16 years ago? What I ask? Yes, I... <laughs> I think there was a lot of conversations around like, okay, where do you want to be? What do you want to do in five years and totally. 10 years? Like, yeah. <laughs> What's but, your life plan? Mm -hmm. What's our family's mission statement? And do you remember what you would say to me when I would say, what's our family's mission statement? I, no, I don't remember. You would look at me and you'd go, have you read your Bible today? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. That sounds so judgmental. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't judgmental. It was like... Hey, Cal, you have really lofty, awesome dreams and the Lord will use those. But I feel like also being faithful today. And I think that's what you've grown in me so much is just that concept of I grew up with a dad who, by the world's definition, is super ambitious and successful and is an amazing leader. But that's not the only kind of leader. And my answer to 
what a great leader looks like has changed over the years, and you're a pretty huge reason why. Thanks, babe. Like, I think is the whole, did you read your Bible today kind of threw me <laughs> yeah, off. No, it wasn't like a, <laughs> did you read your Bible? <laughs> you know? Why don't you go spend time in the Word? No. Because I remember this being asked of me, not only by you, but other people. Like I remember when I first came on staff, JP, who I was serving underneath, he is, is a great leader. And he was always wanting to develop and help me take next steps towards where the Lord wanted me to be. And he'd ask that similar question. And I think what was kind of just ingrained in my mind is like, all right, like five years from now, like I just want to be faithful. And so there isn't um, a job or a career path or like, here's where I need to be next. It was more of a, like, what does it look like for me to be faithful today? And then hopefully five years from now, I'm still being faithful, whatever the Lord's having me do. Right. And that was also played out when, so we worked on staff together at a summer camp and the director of the camp, I remember him saying this and you, we talked about this earlier. You actually don't remember him saying this, which I think is a picture of how God's wired you. Cause I would be like, let's write that down in the memory book. Cause it was such a huge compliment. I, he was talking about how, Hey, I feel like I'm a really great director. And I was thinking about how I'm a great director and how things have gone really smoothly and really well. And one day I woke up and I realized I'm a great director because Ryan Nixon is a really unbelievable assistant director. And so I think what he was saying is I realized that through quiet leadership, Ryan just got stuff done and seemed to make his job easier. Why do you think he said that? Do you love this question? <laughs> it, it is. I'm if y'all like, could see I'm his face right now. <laughs> you know, I don't one, I don't know why he said that, but I mean, just thinking back in the way that God has wired me and as time has gone on being more comfortable and just who God's created me to be. I believe one of the greatest things that I can bring to another leader or to a team is just being a utility player and seeing where the gaps are within a leader that I'm serving underneath um, or a team that I'm a part of and just saying, okay, how can I just go fill in those gaps so that I can help him or her or help us as a team uh, just continue to, to be excellent and grow and uh, move towards accomplishing the mission that God's, you know, given us. Mm -hmm. So now, Ryan, at the ripe old age of 42, is that right? I think so. Lots of gray hair. <laughs> um, so you've been on staff for almost 12 years. You've spent eight of those years fighting for marriages and re-engage. And now we're kind of in a period of transition and God has seen fit to just put you on a different platform through regeneration. And so how are you prioritizing servant leadership in your new position now where you really, you are the head of a larger team and you find yourself in front of more people, maybe teaching more often? Has that presented new struggles or challenges or is it kind of, man, same story, next verse? Yes, it, it definitely presents new challenges and I think kind of a question or a thought behind that question of, even as you mentioned, the idea of platform, it doesn't feel like it's a larger platform. I mean, yes, we're in a bigger room. There's more people that are there. But as I think about the last eight years of what I've been able to be a part of and watching God use the leaders that God's entrusted to us to radically transform individuals because of the gospel and God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, and then be missionaries and ambassadors for the gospel— it's it's almost like it's just changed to a different room, um, a different night of the week, 
And then the same thing is, you know, what my job description is, is just trying to help coach and encourage and cheer on just these men and women that God's entrusted to us and who, who frankly, God's transformed their own lives. And now they're wanting to help other people experience the healing and hope that Christ offers. And so, yes, it, there hasn't really been a lot of thoughts of, oh, this is a, this is a bigger room or there's more people here, but right. it's like this mission is the same. And it's such an amazing mission to be a part of, of watching God, having a front row seat of watching God transform people. And then after that, seeing God take those same people who were a mess and then turn them into ministers and ambassadors for Christ. It's just been, uh, I mean, I don't know what anybody would want to give their life more to than just being a part of that. And so those are some of my thoughts as I think about platform, but then as I think about how does it pertain to me leading this new team that I'm a part of, whether it's a larger staff team or a new group of leaders, I mean, it's really the same, no matter what room I'm in, how many people I'm with, really seeing that my job as a leader is to be an encourager. You know, I want to be a cheerleader to encourage them to not grow weary and doing good, to encourage them and how God is using them and that they have everything they need for life and godliness and for ministry. And then another role for me as a leader is to be a coach and to come alongside them and just think through with each individual, not everybody as a group, but each individual, how do I help them take their next step of faithfulness, of loving God and loving others and being just the the man or woman that God wants them to be um, as a leader and as a shepherd of others. And so it really hasn't changed, you know, as the the room has gotten bigger. Um, It's just me trying to be intentional and how can I encourage this group of people that God's entrusted to me? And then how can I help them take their faithful next step that God wants for them um, and not even the faithful next step that I think they need to take. And so it's it's really been very similar kind of in both rooms with a kind of different numbers of people. Um, okay, I'm a transition into marriage, our marriage. Okay, that's good. Okay. I like that marriage. Our marriage. When you think about our marriage, when you think about just as a husband, as a father, um, there's women out there who are you know, desiring marriage and desiring a, a leader that that serves them as Christ served the church. And I think kind of two questions. What would you tell them as they're waiting? And then what would you tell them to look for in a man who has those qualities? Growing in the contentment that the Lord wants for you just in that season of life is just as I think about just Psalm 16 that in the right hand of God is joy and in his presence are pleasures forevermore. And that like when we are content with the Lord, um, our cup, whatever cup he's given us for that season can be full. Hmm. And it doesn't mean it's not without sadness or disappointment, but it can be full. And just knowing that moving forward, potentially in discontentment with the wrong individual can bring so much heartache and so much pain. And so realizing that some of the things someone might feel like they're missing out on because they're single just pale in comparison to the pain that a broken marriage can be. And so just be okay being content where the Lord has you is just such an important thing. Like, and I, I want for my, I want for our daughters to just be okay just with the, the, the cup of life that God's given them for a season, mm-hmm. just because um, if you move forward too quickly in a lot of different areas, there can be a lot more pain that, that comes with it. And then for, as you are thinking about like someone to, to really yoke yourself with, 
I think there's two things. One is we've already talked about Philippians 2. Like you want someone who lives out Philippians 2 that you truly see in their life that not only towards you as an individual, but also towards other people. Like how do they treat their mom? How do they treat a waitress? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do they treat, you know, someone that can do nothing for them in return? Are they a Philippians 2 type servant leader and just servant of Christ towards others? And then the other thing is just friendship is so important. Like, I think attraction is so multifaceted. It is physical, it's emotional, it's relational, but the attraction that's birthed out of deep friendship is one that will carry with you for the next 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years. And hopefully that's what you're experiencing for the rest of your life is just a a growing friendship with your spouse. And so I think on the servant leadership side, it's just not only how are they you know, living out Philippians 2 with you because they're trying to impress you, <laughs> but how are they living out Philippians 2 to every individual, male and female, that you see in their life? That's really good. Is there Are there certain mistakes that you see women making in this area that are worth kind of calling attention to of like, hey, as you tell them to wait? I mean, there's absolutely. Like there's mistakes that all of us can make and, and I think sometimes we can we can try to overlook something or believe that it's going to change once marriage comes because we want so badly for this to be the one or this to be the relationship that's going to fulfill some of our unmet desires. And so we push forward with that and and kind of ignore some of the things that could be just yellow flags or cautions, both that we see and that our friends see. And, uh, and then even in the midst of that, you could be with someone that is amazing in the midst of y'all's dating relationship and you see them serving other people and then just sin is deceitful and it is, um, it blinds us. And so, I mean, even in our own marriage, like I think in just ways I brought an addiction, uh, just to lust and, and pornography, like into our marriage and there wasn't anything that you were missing. It's just, I, in my own sinful flesh was lying to you about a lot of things so that even in the midst of being with a guy that you seem like, Hey, there's so many things that are great here. Right. Uh, just don't be surprised when sin is present in him, just like it's present in you as you move into marriage. And then I think on a third point on that is that, I mean, over these last eight years and in our own marriage, I've seen that, that the gospel, God's word, God's spirit and God's people are able to offer hope to the most broken situation in singleness and in marriage. And there is redemption that is possible individually and relationally in a marriage, no matter what someone's walking through. Right. And well, and back then I didn't help the situation either. I would say, you know, I had quite a bit of self-righteousness talk about servant leadership. Like I did not create a safe place for failure in our marriage. And so I think that's one thing too, that I think girls can do and really anybody you're right, but we can attach ourselves to the sins of the person that we love and make it about us. And so the, the quicker that I was able to separate your sin and I'm, I'm thinking vice versa too, but your sin from having causality towards me, the better I was able to love you and care for you. Cause it wasn't, your sin was not about me. M- my job was to serve and to care for you and not be a doormat, but to enable you to walk through your own healing by just being hopefully what would be like a a constant voice of 
hey, God loves you, I love you. And I didn't always do that very good, you know? And I think um, sometimes I would say your style of leadership and my wiring um, have clashed through the years a little bit. Would you say? Like once or twice. Just like once or twice. And so for like the strong ladies out there, you know what I'm saying, um, who have a lot to say, where I feel like I could get in trouble is taking your, what could be like humble and, and selfless and like running too far with it, you know, and, and, in arguments or whatever, just trying to win or trying to get the last word in. And so what would you tell women out there who feel like, well, I haven't been led well for my whole life. And so now I'm just in this place where I'm leading and it's kind of dripping over into my relationships just a little bit where I'm like, if he's not going to call and initiate, I'm going to call and initiate. And y'all, I'm not saying that's like the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying um, we're missing out just a little bit in letting a man lead us if we're if we're doing that. And what would you tell those women about how to cultivate an attitude of servant leadership in the same way that they're waiting and wanting to see that in someone else? Yes, I mean I think that can happen both in a dating relationship and a marriage, and and even in a working relationship. And one trust God, and and be patient, but then also realize that. There's sometimes when we sin against one another, and also sometimes it's not sin, but we are not leading and caring for one another well, again, in all three of those relationships, a dating relationship, a marriage, a work relationship, and that after you have sought to overlook an offense one, two, three times, like God's words instructed us that, okay, after it's gotten to a point where you can no longer overlook an offense, whether it's sin or it's just, hey, you feel um, just that there's a miss here, then you go to that individual, whether it's a, a guy that, you know, been a friend for you, a best friend for like two years and hasn't asked you on a date, maybe like Wait, me. where's that? Yeah. Is that a real life Yeah, that may, that may happen for us. And, uh, and you did a great job. Thank like you. in that, like you came and you approached me and we had a little DTR and we had to kind of change our friendship for a season. But it's that you go humbly to another person and you let them know you don't tell someone what their motives are and what they're doing because that's mm-hmm. making an assumption. But what you want to do is you want to go and, and let someone know, hey, in these interactions, here's uh, what I'm perceiving and here's how it's making me feel. Can you help me understand you know, what you're trying to communicate or kind of not communicate with blank? And so when you feel like they're, you know, either a guy is not leading you well by you know, asking you out, but y'all are hanging out all the times or you are dating a guy, but he's not taking that next step towards marriage. At some point, it's okay to be able to say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's how I perceive it. And here's how it makes me feel. Can you help me understand what your intentions are and what you're doing or what you're not doing? And then even in a work relationship to where if you're wanting to, you are a strong leader and you're wanting to use those gifts um, and you feel like there aren't the opportunities that you would desire um, to use those gifts and you feel like you're kind of being passed over for opportunities Mm -hmm. to lead or to teach or whatever it might be, I think in a humble way, you go to that boss or that coworker and in a humble way, just be able to say, hey, here's something that I feel like I've communicated a desire to to do in the future and, and I feel like I'm being passed over um, but that might not be your intention at all. Uh, but can you help me understand that, you know, when we've talked as a as a team, hey, we're looking for somebody to to lead this team meeting or this leader meeting or fill in the blank. I feel like I've raised my hand a few times, but you've never asked me to take a step forward. Can you help me understand maybe why 
you know, you haven't tapped me on the shoulder. And so whatever it might be, just humility looks good on everybody. Yeah. And it's always easier to receive uh, maybe even correction, not even correction, but kind of someone else's hurt when it's uh, shared in humility. Yeah. I think that's really good. And as a, as a woman who's wired with maybe some strong opinions and passions. Wait, you have you, strong opinions yeah, and myself, passions? Me. I'm talking about oh, me. I have 15 years. I have not noticed that You did not notice no, that. That's never crazy. Seen <laughs> but we try on this podcast to highlight ordinary women or men living extraordinary lives of faithfulness. And so you for sure are doing that. If you had something to tell either a younger generation or an older generation that's lived and gone, man, I just, I have missed this. I have not done a good job at leading from a perspective like Christ. I have not done, you know, what it says in Matthew 20, uh, 27, where it says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if someone today is convicted by the Holy Spirit and is like, man, I want to, I want to turn that around. Is there something specific you would tell them? Are there first steps to take that you would tell them towards this life of servant leadership, even like books? I know you're not really a big like podcaster, but like, are there books that you would say to read? Give give people a few first steps. No, that's really good. As I think about that question, and I think about for any leader or really a Christian, but for leaders, it's like our job as Christian leaders is to love God, to love others, and to fight sin. And so when we don't fulfill one of those three things, our job or our next step as a leader and as a follower of Jesus Christ is to confess and repent. And so even in the area where it's like, oh, I have um, made some poor decisions as it pertains to servant leadership in my friendships, in my community group, you know, with my spouse, at work, wherever it might be, in a ministry that I'm serving in, It's just as God convicts us, we confess it, we renounce it, and we receive mercy from the Lord. And typically, I mean, we receive mercy from other people as well. Mm -hmm. And so that is just the the next step is just confession and repentance. And God has just given us a path forward for the believer. And I think that's one of the things I've just been growing in the last few years is just how much I need the gospel today. Um, and I need confession and repentance today because that's the path forward for the believer. It's not just the path forward for the non-believer who becomes a believer. Yeah, but or just, the person who wants to grow in servant leadership. It's just it's it's, it's it the path forward for everything. Right. It's just you've you've noticed it, you confess it, you repent, and you begin to try to change your ways through the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of the body of Christ around you. And so, as far as you know books or or podcasts, you know, a a great book that was so helpful for me to think through this is A Tale of Three Kings. And and just, that's a story of Saul, uh, King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. And it just talks through just what does it look like for you to lead, even when you are the right leader, or the right next leader, but a leader above you isn't stepping away. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like for you to be faithful where you are? And then while you're leading, what does it look like for you to continue to be faithful and just serve God and and serve and love others? And then even if there's someone maybe behind you 
who is, um, or maybe it wasn't King Solomon, is is one of David's sons, I think Jeroboam, mm-hmm. one of those two, but kind of tried to take the throne that did take the throne away from David. What does it look like to step away in a way that is just humble and being okay uh, when God moves something for a season or maybe for the rest of your life? And so that's a great book just to read and think through. Um, and I think one of the things we need to do in our own lives is many times when we read books about servant leadership or just really any kind of leadership, we can think about where people aren't doing that, who are over us or who are next to us, and make it about you. It's like when you're reading that book, think about, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me? And that just makes me think of another book or really passage of Scripture is just um, Psalm 139, 23, and 24, as you are thinking about how do you want me to grow in servant leadership, that you would just pray to God and say, search me, O God, and reveal to me the sinful way that's within me and lead me to everlasting life. And so as we're thinking about just this idea of servant leadership, that we would begin with that prayer of Psalm 139, 23, and 24, and also end with that prayer. And that's also an amazing thing to pray anytime you're in conflict with someone else, is just to say, okay, Lord, like, what's my part in this? And how do I confess that and renounce that before even taking steps forward and trying to help someone else? You love when I highlight the good things in you. And you love it when I talk about the ways that I see you shine for Jesus. Ladies, I'm being sarcastic. He hates it. <laughs> and so, babe, thank you for coming on here and being honest and letting me talk to you about what I see in you through the hope of Jesus. And I'm really, really grateful because I know it's uncomfortable for you. So I'm glad that you spent time coming and talking to us today. Well, I love being with you and I love getting to do this with you. And although at times that is uncomfortable, I'm just thankful there's no eyes on me right now besides yours. (laughs) But I, I love getting to partner with you and you know, just find ways for me to to free you up, uh, to allow God to use you and your giftings as you get to encourage and inspire, unite and equip women. Hey, and and it's just it's such a joy to watch you be used by God uh, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a herald of the gospel, and just as I think about one of the other aspects of servant leadership of like, what do we want God to think of, or what do we want people to think of us as men or women? Is that you know, that we want to be known as being servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that's one of the things I see you do in the lives of other people. And, and it's just such an encouragement. And one of the things I love, and it even happened today, as, as I met someone new who's been at Watermark for 14 years, and it's, <laughs> it's when they find out that I am Callie Nixon's husband, <laughs> I mean, it is always, oh, I absolutely love Callie. And and there's an aspect about that, that when every time with that, when there's kind of a quote unquote win for you and encouragement for you, it's a win for me because, you know, you're my best friend, you're my life partner, we're one flesh. And that it's just such a joy to be able to say, yes, like that, that's my wife and she is amazing. And I love her too. And I love watching God use her in just amazing ways. And it's, and it's an encouragement to me. That was sweet. Way to flip the tables and make me blush. Okay, y'all, this love fest has <laughs> reached its zenith. We're really grateful for you guys coming and listening to us today. I, I pray that this is encouraging to you. I pray that 
you're in a marriage where you can say of your spouse, I have a servant leader as a husband. And if you can't say that, then y'all, I just want to let you know there is hope to be found in Jesus. Ryan spent eight years at Reengage, which is our um, marriage ministry here at Watermark. Um, and that would be available to you if you want to take your marriage to the next level of faithfulness. And also, if you find yourself in a season of waiting where you're like, not feeling like this is true of of some of the relationships in your life or even yourself. Take heart, good child, because the Lord is with you and he loves you and adores you and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so seek him while he may be found. That's all we've got time for today. But if you want to learn more about the collective, you can always visit our website, watermark.org slash collective. See us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. If anybody you know in your life needs to hear this today, make sure to share it with them. Leave us a review if this podcast has been encouraging to you. And as always, you can email us at collective at watermark.org. We love you and we will see you next time on the Collective Podcast.